You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 42 with Sarah Robinson. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys. Well, we are back to our regular episodes. I hope you enjoyed Cultivating Your Village series but I also hope that you're excited to get back to our normal routine. Speaking of normal routines, most of us are still in summer schedules. Kids are out of school and we may be feeling a little more ragged as schedules are all over the place. So I wanted to bring Sarah Robinson on to talk with us about the importance of self-care for moms. Even saying this, I can just imagine so many of you moms just feeling tired, wearing two-day-old clothes, hair not washed, patients running low, throwing pizza to the kids for the third day in a row for dinner. So in today's episode, we're going to chat about some self-care ideas that are practical and creative. Also the challenges of working from home with kiddos around and dealing with negative feelings and not feeling like you are doing well enough. Also, if you have a business and are trying to figure out why Pinterest is so important when it comes to using it to promote your brand, You will want to stay on to the end of the show to hear Sarah tell us some tips on figuring out Pinterest and why it can drive so many people back to your website. I hope this show leaves you inspired to take some time out for yourself so that you feel more refreshed and more like yourself to be a better mom. Let's go to the show. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I like to start off every show with an icebreaker. I love to travel. And so I love asking people where their favorite destinations are. So what is your favorite vacation spot that you've gone to and why? And this can be with or without kids. Oh my goodness. So I'd say with kids, we go to Lake Tahoe a lot. Um, I'm in the Bay Area. So Tahoe is not a far drive for us. And I actually love it in the summer. Most people think of Tahoe for the winter because of the, the skiing and the snowboarding. But I love Tahoe in the summer. There's so many fun activities. It's funny. I'm not super into nature, but it's just a great place to go and relax. There's some great food. There's things to do. So yeah, with or without kids, I actually love going to Tahoe. Yeah, you know, that's on my list. When we went to California two years ago, September, um, we went to we flew into San Francisco and then we went down to Big Sur and all that and then drove back up to San Francisco and that was awesome. And um, a couple had said to us, oh, you should go to Tahoe. And I'm like, oh, we don't have enough time to be able to go down and then over and then everything. Um, but it's on my list to go to in the summer. Um, which side do you go to? Because I know there's different, you know, it's, yeah. it's big. So. Yeah, exactly. It's big. And there's different, there's different fields. You know, there's North Shore, South Shore. So South is a little bit more where you can find the gambling and a little more nightlife. We prefer North Lake Tahoe. Um, it's a little more quiet. There's still fun things to do. If you like to gamble, you can get to some gambling pretty easily. Uh, but we usually stay in Truckee, which is just gorgeous. They've got some really great kids museums and activities there. So yeah, I would recommend North Shore of Tahoe if anyone is staying. And we love North Star. Um, again, winter for skiing, but just fun activities. They do s'mores in the summer and yeah. Is, is that a great. resort, North Star? Yes. Yeah. Okay. North Star at Tahoe. Okay. It's, yeah. A awesome. resort to, yeah. to visit. And did you say Truckee or Trekkie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truckee. Yeah. <laughs> T-R-U-C-K-E-E. Yes. Oh, okay. Truckee. Okay. So that's <laughs> yeah. the city? Is that yeah. the, the town or whatever? I guess it would be a town. Exactly. Yeah. Town. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then if you were, if you would flying into San Francisco, would that be the closest to fly into if you were flying or is there some, is there another airport or state that's actually closer? Because I mean, I know it borders 
yeah, other states? So, um, yeah. So let's see. You could fly into Sacramento is a small airport. So if you're flying to California, you could drive from there. And then you have Tahoe borders on Nevada as well. And I'm terrible with geography, but there, there might be some smaller airports. There is actually, um, if you have a private jet and you're very fancy, there is a trucky airport that <laughs> wow. you could get into, but I'm certainly not that fancy. Yeah, I'm not either. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would think maybe there's a, there's a Reno airport possibly, but yeah, mm. there might be some, some closer Nevada airports. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I've seen pictures of people paddleboarding and the water so beautiful. And, you know, that's definitely on my list. Is there a time of year that's really pretty to go like in the summer? Like which month is better to go to? Yeah, August is our favorite month. And actually, my husband and I got married in Tahoe at the top of Heavenly in August. And so when we were researching, August is sort of their most consistent month with weather. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. Um, You know, you can get into September and even October and it can still be really nice. But yeah, August is kind of our our favorite month to go if we can. That's good to know. Well, let's get started. Um, How about you tell us a little bit about who you are, what your name is, where you're from, how many kids you have and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I'm Sarah Robinson. I live in the Bay Area with my husband and two boys. So my older son is almost five, and my younger son will be two soon. And the the path that sort of brought me to where I am today is certainly not a straight line, but I have a master's degree in sports psychology, which I got 10 years ago, and uh, studied that because not because I have a huge interest in sport, more because I have an interest in psychology and helping people. And so for 10 years, I have had a consulting business helping athletes develop their mental skills. So become more mentally tough, more confident, more positive, more calm. And those are really life skills as well. So that's sort of been my career for the last decade or so. And in the process of becoming a mom, I wanted to shift more of my time and efforts to working at home so I could be around them and be with them. And realized as I was sort of building a career and working part-time that a lot of my friends weren't similar to me in that way regarding work. Um, I didn't have anyone that I felt like I could really relate to around my work. Uh, I either had traditional sort of working mom friends who had a nine to five and they went to work and came home and left their work behind. And then I had a lot of friends who didn't work. So I sort of felt alone in relating to people about my work lifestyle, which was, which is very important to me. I'm definitely a working mom and I love working. So I felt like there was sort of a missing opportunity to support moms who are like me and had this idea or thought when my first son was about 18 months old. And as moms are known to do, I sort of forgot about this idea and got busy and got back to my consulting business and working at a university in their sports psychology program. And then when my youngest son was born in 2015, this idea sort of came up for me again, that I wanted a little more balance in my life. I wanted to shift more to working at home, have more flexibility and ultimately what sort of evolved from my career in sports psychology, my desire to support moms and connect was my website, Get Mom Balanced, which hopefully helps moms find more balance, but is also about teaching these mental skills as life skills to moms. Um, Things like calming down, controlling your thoughts, and self-care is a big part of that that helps us find balance. So it's something I'm, I'm very 
I'm not always good at myself, but I'm a big supporter of for moms in general. So that's sort of how I got to where I am. And along the way with all of this, I've started doing more freelance writing and have have built a very different career working from home than what I pictured even just a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think that's great. And you know, this kind of leads me into the first question. And I know that so many moms work from home and either if they're, you know, running a blog or doing an Etsy business or doing just even a side hustle of some kind or even a direct sales business that you're just trying to do stuff when you can in all those pockets of time. And I would love for you to share some tips for moms that run into challenges working from home. And I do want to add, I know that there are some moms that work part-time within a traditional job and they're able to do it at home too. So um, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, absolutely. It is a challenge for sure. And I think that's sort of my first tip is just know and accept that it won't be easy because you almost have to make a a shift mentally about it. If you, you know, think it's going to be um sort of nice and neat and I'll work here, but not at this time, you sort of run up against these barriers and these challenges because kids are unpredictable and life is unpredictable. So I think you just have to make that that mind shift that you know what this isn't always going to be easy. It's a privilege to be able to work from home. It's amazing, but it's not necessarily easy. So just accepting that that's going to be the case, that there will be challenges and it might not always fit perfectly. I've found for me that that's helpful. Just knowing that it's not going to be as nice and neat um, as I would like for it to be, which is hard because I'm very organized and detail oriented and I want to have a schedule and stick to it. And I just can't. So accepting that has been very helpful. Yeah. And what does it look like for you with trying to get your work done? When are you getting that? Um, when are you getting the bulk of your work done, especially with your younger one? And because yeah. um, why I say that is because some people don't have childcare so, and they still try mm-hmm. to do it. So then I think you have to stay up either really late or try to do it during naps. So um, when, when do you find that you're able to get the most done? Absolutely. So for me, I my husband has a unique work schedule where many days he doesn't have to leave the house until 11 a.m. So I am fortunate in that I can have some dedicated time in the morning to get a jump on some tasks and really prioritize. So those are sort of two tips for moms as well is look at the pockets of time you do have where you have that support. So for me, my husband is around in the morning, but he's not around at the end of the day. So, you know, maybe other moms can get some things done during that dinner prep time, because a significant other can take that on. For me, I'm on my own until eight o'clock at night. So I take advantage of those morning times to get things accomplished. Um, And then really just making sure that you prioritize what you're going to do in those times. So plan ahead for what you want to get done when you have that support. So yeah, I tend to get things done in the morning. Um, I also am pretty good at getting back to work late at night. But like you said, for some moms, that's the only time you can, right? When kids are napping or when kids are sleeping. And that's not always easy for moms because I'm tired at the end of the day. Me too. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can't always focus. So another strategy I've found useful is to look for the times where your kids um, don't need as much from you. So I often use meal times to be productive. Now I will say for some moms, you know, meal time is sacred, right? You want to be sitting down with your kids, having a meal, engaging. For me, we find other times to engage and interact. So if my kids are sitting down and eating, I might be sending an email 
or I might be putting dishes away so I can get that off my plate and then focus on work later on. So looking at those specific moments in time that you have where you can get some tasks accomplished, I find is really important when you are working from home and you have your kids there. Because yeah, with my youngest, I don't really have childcare for him. He's around all the time, which is great, but it does certainly make it challenging to get work done. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Like even just doing this podcast right now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you have to really kind of work around that because you can't have a two-year-old, you know, coming in and, and, you know, saying, Hey mommy, and you're trying to have this talk. So, um, I wanted to ask you, um, speaking of challenges of working from home, do you have some skills that moms can use when tensions are high and the kids are just crazy? And, um, I know that we've talked about this before and even with your previous experience, um, with athletes and stuff, what do you recommend for when the kids are freaking out and you're trying to get them to calm down and then you're losing your cool on top of it? Yes. I mean, it's, it's like you're looking into my life sometimes, right? We all are there where the kids are freaking out and you're freaking out. And then, yeah, if you have work that you're supposed to be getting done on top of that, I think it just compounds for everybody. So one skill that I just think is so important for all of us, kids, moms, dads, athletes, is the ability to be able to calm yourself down. And one of the best and most simple ways we can do this is through deep breathing. And it's in some ways so simple because we breathe all the time. Uh, Sometimes we hold our breath when we're stressed, right? But we're all probably doing a very successful job of breathing if we're still alive. So that's the good news is we're just building on something we are naturally inclined to do. But when it comes to breathing with the idea to calm down, it needs to be deliberate and focused. So it really is a nice sort of cleansing deep breath or series of deep breaths. And typically when I teach this to people, I talk about breathing in slowly through your nose a slight pause, and then a nice deep exhale through your mouth. And what we're really trying to do is we're trying to stay calm and relaxed when we do this. And if anyone wants to do this at home, what's great is you can put your hand right on your stomach. You don't have to do this all the time, but this is just to kind of check and see how well you're doing it breathing deeply. If we're breathing correctly and deeply as we inhale, our stomach is going to expand because our lungs are filling, our diaphragm is dropping. So it's almost as if there's a balloon in your belly. And if you teach this to your kids, that's a great way to talk about it. So as you inhale, you're expanding that balloon in your belly. So your belly is going to expand. When you then exhale, your stomach is then going to go back in. The air is coming out of your lungs. We want to try and keep our shoulders nice and relaxed because I don't know about you, but sometimes it's like, okay, I need to take a deep breath. And we just, and it's not really deep. It's very shallow. You know, we've got this stress in our shoulders. So we really want to try and keep all of that relaxed. And focus on our breathing as well. That's an important part because a lot of times when we're stressed out, we're freaking out, we're also internal and in our heads and we're thinking, oh, I wish these kids would stop. You know, I have so much to do. But by focusing on the breathing, it sort of stops you from focusing on your thoughts. So that's where those nice deep breaths can help to calm your mind and your body. And breathing can kind of help to reset you. So I think that's a good, just a good skill to work on for yourself. And then for your kids to help them through their challenges and emotions, I started doing this with my older son when he was two and a half, maybe three. 
And about a year in, so let's say three and a half, he would then remind me to take deep breaths or he would say, I need to calm down. Can you take a deep breath with me? And so for him, this has been really great at helping him control his emotions. And so when everyone's in on the same skill or idea, it can really help just to to reset everyone in that moment. Yeah, I like that. And I could definitely see that coming in handy traveling like an airport or mm-hmm. on an airplane, you know, where you yes. can't really get away and Mm -hmm. you need to calm down. So that's pretty awesome. Or, you know, even at Target when your kids could be losing their marbles. So (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It really is the life skill for all areas of life. It can be done anywhere. And with my athletes, that's one of the things I can say, you know, it's a great skill or strategy because no one really knows you're doing anything. So it's kind of like a secret weapon. So, you know, if your kids are stressing you out and you know, your blood is boiling, you know, just stop for a moment take a couple deep breaths. If your kids are at an age where you can sort of let them be for a minute, step into the other room and take a couple deep breaths. Or, you know, if you need to put the little one in the crib or in the pack and play or wherever, and just take a step away and take a deep breath. And I think that's also important for moms to remember is that we need to be kind to ourselves. And even though we're, we're the adults and, you know, we should you know, should, I'm using air quotes, no one can see these because it's a podcast, but we (laughs) should be able to manage our emotions. You know what? We're not always good at it. We're human. So it's okay if you need to take a break and get yourself under control. Yeah. And speaking of emotions, I know it's so easy for women, especially moms to have negative feelings and not feeling up to par or comparing themselves to other moms. And I would love to hear your thoughts on how to combat that. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, you're absolutely right. We are so hard on ourselves as women and then as moms. It just, we create these habits of thinking that I'm not good enough or is this enough? And there are habits that we need to work on rewiring. And so essentially what we need to do is we need to catch ourselves. We need to become aware of the negative thoughts. We need to find a way to stop them. And then Typically, we want to sort of replace them or rework them. I like to look at thoughts as a moving train. So when you have these negative thoughts, it's sort of this train, you know, zooming by. Well, trains, it's very hard to stop them, right? They kind of have to eventually slow down and then they stop. It's much easier to derail a train and shift where it's going. So if you use that same idea with your thinking, it's very hard just to say, you know, stop, stop thinking that you're not good enough or stop thinking that you can't handle this. We do need to tell ourselves to stop or remind ourselves that that's not helpful thinking. But then with a train idea, we want to derail it. We want to shift it to something else. So we want to think either something that's more positive. So if you're thinking, I can't do this, maybe it's, I can do this. For some people, that's too big of a jump, right? If you're really feeling like I can't handle this situation, it might not be useful to say, I can do it. It might just be a little sort of too cheery or too cheesy or too far from the truth at that moment. But you do want to think something that's more helpful or appropriate. So if you're thinking, I can't handle these kids, maybe you say, stop. I got through yesterday. I can get through today. So you give yourself something that's more positive and more appropriate to think about in that moment. And so basically you're retraining your mind. So what's important to know is that having negative thoughts or worries or feeling overwhelmed, it's all normal. But what we can do is we can retrain our thinking to shift to ideas and thoughts that are more appropriate. And so what generally happens in time is that we have fewer of those negative thoughts. We spend more time thinking positively. We may never get rid of all those negative thoughts because, again, we're human, right? 
we're women. We just sort of have this natural inclination to compare ourselves to others. We're moms. So we have a lot of worries and concerns for ourselves and our children. So we're probably not going to get rid of those entirely, but we can spend less mental energy on those negative thoughts, on those worries, and spend more mental energy on positive and appropriate thinking that probably helps us feel better as well. Yeah. And you know what what comes to mind too, and I feel like this could lead into more negative thinking than say, um, if you do take care of yourself is self-care. And especially in the summer and the kids are out of school and schedules are all over the place. And it just makes it more challenging to um, make time for self-care and, or you're, or you have the moms with newborns, right? And it's just, I mean, your life is just flipped upside down. It's like, you're not even washing your hair all the time. You're not even putting on your normal clothes. And, um, and so I think too, when you're not taking care of yourself, it's so much easier to go into that negative, um, thought process because, you know, you're not taking care of yourself. So, um, I wanted you to share with all the moms out there why it's so important and why do you think it's such an area that moms struggle with, even though it's so important for us? Yes. So basically what you said is the reason why it's so important, right? Is if we're not taking care of ourselves, we are less likely to be calm. We're less likely to think positively. And really we can't take as good of care of other people when we're not taking good care of ourselves. So I think for a lot of us, we sort of know that, right? When we're fed and we're rested and, you know, we take care of the things that are important to us. We're in a better space mentally and physically to help and support those people around us. So I think logically a lot of us know, yes, I should be taking care of myself. myself. And I think there's a lot of reasons why that's so hard. The main one being our time is no longer our own when we're moms, right? I think a lot of us just sort of think, okay, I'm a mom I've got my kids, they're the priority, which I think is absolutely true, right? We want to take care of our kids, make sure they have what they need, but that doesn't mean that we are no longer a priority. So I think that's what happens is we say, okay, kids are the priority and we focus on them and we take care of them and their needs. And then we sort of forget that we can also be a priority there as well. And this is where balance becomes very important is knowing that, you know what, I can take care of my kids and I can also take care of myself. Now, we may not be able to do that daily workout for an hour plus, you know, shower and get ready that we used to do prior to kids, right? But if working out is something that's important in your self-care, maybe you do, you know, a quick YouTube video, 15, 20 minutes. Maybe you go for a walk with the kids or you take them to the park and you squeeze in a workout. So I think a lot of times we need to get more creative about how we fit in our self-care. And we also need to remember that we can take little bits of time for self-care. You know, before kids, maybe it was movies and a lunch date or an afternoon with girlfriends. And we probably can't do that anymore without some planning. So remembering that even, you know, five, 10 minutes of sitting and breathing or sneaking in your favorite show or reading a chapter in a book, all of those are really important. And those little bits of time can add up to helping you feel much better. And I do think that also we want to try and have those bigger pockets of time. Maybe it, it can't happen for six weeks because the stars need to align. You need to have sitters. Your friends need to have sitters. But put something on the calendar, even if it's two months away for a movie date with girlfriends 
or getting your nails done. Build that in so you have something to look forward to and that you're getting a slightly larger period of time for yourself, if possible. I know it's not always possible in everyone's situation, but especially those little bits of time, we all have it. We might be checking Facebook or, you know, just staring off into space. There's probably pockets of time where you could actively be engaging in self-care and giving back to yourself. Yeah. And you know, um, something stood out to me when you were talking. Um, I think a lot of times people think self-care, like going to the spa and Mm -hmm. getting your nails done and stuff, but it can also be super practical stuff that ends up being self-care. And what I mean by that is getting a person to help clean your house. And, um, you know, people may think, well, I should be doing that job, but here's the thing. If you can afford it and you can work it into your budget, to me, it's like, if that's not where you want to be spending a lot of your time, because you would rather be, say you have a newborn or you have kids or you have a business and you would rather be working on that than cleaning, you know, the bathrooms and all that kind of stuff. That's then giving you more freedom to be able to do what you want to do. And I, I realize not everyone can afford it, but but sometimes if you look at your budget, you may realize like, oh, there's a lot of money going to this and we could actually reroute it. And that would give me some freedom to be able to take care of myself a little bit more, even if that's just like taking away um, that burden that sits on your shoulder, like, oh, I really should be vacuuming and doing all that, you know, just taking that off your mind and being able to focus on the kids if that's what you want to do or making sure you have babysitting money, right? That there's babysitting allotted in the budget so that you can either get out um, with your husband or even just yourself. So there's small things. And for me with um, those kind of services, I always think about like there's even um, mommy helpers, right? So they're not yep. charging as much as the sitters, which those sitters, man, they are making a ton of money. I mean, it, it, it kills really me. Are. It kills me. And so, <laughs> but um but the the mommy helpers that are more like 10 or yeah, 10, 11, 12, th- that kind of age range, you yep. know, when you have toddlers and they need constant, you know, entertainment, like those girls are great to have so that you can be like, I'm going to go take my shower and I'm going to blow out yes. my hair or yes. whatever, or take a bath exactly. during the middle of the day when you have like a, 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 you know, a mommy helper there and then they're not as expensive. So when, when we're, t- yeah. So when we're talking about self-care, it doesn't just have to be like, well, I have to go to the spa and it, you know, it'd be like $200. And so exactly. I would just be creative and think about what your budget is, where the money's going. And during different seasons of life, I always like to focus on this, that you're in seasons of life at certain times. So you know what, M- right now you may want to have a mommy helper and that would give you self-care, but maybe a year from now it will look different. And so you don't have to just be like, well, this is what it's going to be forever. Maybe you then use that money for a mommy helper. And then the next year you move it towards a housekeeper to come twice a month or whatever it is. So, you know, I think you just have to think what would give you the time to be able to do something um, that's easy and, and it doesn't have to break the bank. So um, yes. I think those are great um, things that you mentioned, Sarah. And so um, we are almost at the end of the show. And I know you use Pinterest for your blog. And I know there's a lot of moms out here that are entrepreneurs and have some business of some kind. And I love asking moms uh, to share any tips that they have when it comes to social media, especially when it comes to growing your brand or business. Yeah. So I can't say enough good things about Pinterest. Um, Anyone who has a blog or a company or a product who's not on Pinterest, you need to get on Pinterest. It really, 
you do have to sort of work at it and understand it. But when you get it figured out, it can drive so many people back to your blog or to your, you know, your product. And Pinterest is a visual search engine. So you really need to treat it that way. You need to have pins that visually look nice, that have attention grabbing headlines. You can use Canva, which is free to create these really pretty pinnable graphics. I am not very creative in that way. And I'm not a visual designer by any means, but I've managed to create, I think, some decent looking pins that create some good traction. Um, so yeah, you need to be creating pins, getting onto group boards, pinning your content, other people's content, and hopefully it can help you grow your business and your following. I've seen really great things happen on Pinterest for myself and other people that are sort of in my my circle of blogger and entrepreneur friends. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, okay, so let's just pretend everyone doesn't know what any of this means. Okay. So, um, so let's just use, let's use my, um, podcast for example. Okay. So then we can have a reference point. So, you know, I'm a podcast. So you think, okay, so am I going to really post this on Pinterest? Now I do post, um, my episodes and kind of, and those images onto Pinterest, but I don't feel like I'm doing it uh, maybe the right way or the smart way or something. So what is your thoughts with um, how you go about it? So if people have um, blogs and all this kind of stuff, what is it that they need to be doing that they may not be doing or they might not even understand how to do it? Yes. So first you want to have a profile that is optimized. So what I mean by that is you want to have your Pinterest profile with your name, a good description of what you do. You want to have some keywords in there. So just the words that, you know, if someone were searching for your content, what would they look for? So would it be uplifting podcasts? Um, you know, inspiration for moms, put those into your title and your description. Then you want to create some boards. So this is where sort of your content and other people's content lives. Typically, you want to have a best of board. So it'd be your best of podcasts. Um, We'll talk about the content you put there in a minute. And then you want to think the people who are sort of your audience, what do they want most? So if you're catering to busy moms, maybe you want stress management for moms as a blog, as a board, excuse me. Maybe you want quick and easy recipes. Maybe you want... um, organization and time hacks. So you have all these different boards that you create. You want to have boards that you could ultimately then repin your content onto. So if let's say your podcast has a lot of, you know, positivity for moms, maybe that's a board that you have so that you can also pin your content there. Now, if you're just starting on Pinterest, you probably don't have many followers. So what you want to try and do is you also want to join group boards that have a lot of followers. So you can do some research um, by searching on Pinterest. There's a website called pingroupie.com that you can go and do some searching for group boards. And most of the time, there's instructions on that group board for how to join. So your profile would then have your best of board, a handful of boards that your audience would like and find useful, and then a handful of group boards. You would then want to create some pins for your content. Again, Pinterest is a visual search engine, so you want to have vertical pins long up and down, so longer than wider, so kind of tall and skinny. And you would want to create a title that people find interesting. So. Um, you know, feeling overwhelmed, try this. 
10 steps to, you know, feeling more fulfilled, whatever it might be. You also want some good keywords in your description. And then you're adding those to your best of board. And you're linking it to, you know, like the link for your podcast, for example. And then, so you've got your best of board with your content. You've got your other boards. You then want to be pinning content to all of these boards. There's a couple schedulers you can use. There's Board Booster and there's Tailwind. Because as you can already see, this is potentially a lot of work and time, right? So these schedulers allow you to be actively pinning content, other people's content, about 80% their content and 20% your own onto these boards so that when your followers or the followers of the group boards go onto Pinterest, your information, your posts show up in their feed. So that's how people are finding your content. They go to Pinterest, they look in sort of their, their homepage, your posts are hopefully going to start showing there. And then when they search for topics like self-care for moms, you know, that might be a keyword for this podcast, for example, then they find your pin that talks about self-care for moms. They either click through, clicks are awesome. You want them back to your site or your product, or they save it. I used to think saves were awesome. I have a couple pins that have thousands and thousands of saves. It's exciting, but that doesn't mean they're coming back to my site. So repins are great, but clicks through are even better because when you get more clicks, Pinterest says, oh, this pin is good. And they keep showing it to people. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. So how do you know that they're getting clicked through? So you can see that in your analytics. So if you don't have a business account, you want to turn your Pinterest into a business account. So for moms listening, a lot of times we have our own Pinterest, right? Like we pin party stuff and we pin things we eventually want to do to our house and cleaning tips that we might use eventually. That's not necessarily the board you want for your business. You can make a choice to convert it to a business account, or you might want to start fresh, but you want to have a business account so that you can see these statistics, so that you can see what's happening with your pins. And you can also tell uh, through your Google Analytics, for example, which pins are driving traffic back mm. to your blog. So there's two places to, to see the, the traffic that comes back, but specifically if you want to see um, clicks versus pins, you can do that through Pinterest analytics, but you have to have a business account for it. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. I think this will kind of open the eyes of, you know, some people that haven't been utilizing Pinterest well enough because, and also I think it's changed, right? Didn't Pinterest yes. change the way they used to do things? And when, when did that happen? When, or when know, did that happen? I, you know, I'm still new to Pinterest. I mean, really, I've only been using it for my business for the last year. And it's gone through a couple changes since then. I mean, the algorithm is constantly changing. So you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Because honestly, it's, it's, it's hard to know exactly why things show to certain people. So you just want to keep creating one good content um, and strong visual pins. And then sometimes you just have to try different things. You know, if, if your group board doesn't seem that you're getting traffic, maybe join a different group board. Or if you're using a scheduler, change up the timing that you're scheduling. Or, you know, make sure that you're also adding in what we call live pinning, that it's not only using a scheduler that you're actually, you know, mm, pinning in real time. Right. So yeah, it's really hard to sort of follow exactly what Pinterest wants you to do. Um, it's tough to, you know, yeah. to well, I didn't really even understand know, it. Yeah, I didn't even know there were group boards. So I mean, even that, I just yes. learned that. So that's pretty cool. Well, so, yeah, I, so even, oh, yeah, ahead. best yeah. of, you know, 
like best podcasts for mom. If there was a, a group board for that, that would definitely be something you mm. would want to be on. Yeah. But then you could also be on, you know, non-podcast specific group sure. boards that are just your topics. So yeah. yeah, there's so much that can be done with, with Pinterest, but it is a lot of work, but it can absolutely pay off, which is great. Yeah. I love it. Well, Sarah, as we wrap up, where can people find you on social media and your website? So I'm at getmombalanced.com. So get M-O-M balanced with a D.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, although I have to say I haven't been as active there. I've been a little busy lately. So the blog is the best place to find me. You can also find me on Facebook at Get Mom Balanced. And then of course on Pinterest as well at Get Mom Balanced. Great. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Hey, you guys, if you haven't subscribed to the email list yet, I would go and do that because we have so many fun shows coming down the pipeline and a new series. And I'm working on something fun that I can't quite share yet. So if you join the email list, you will be the first to know. So all you have to do is go to the mominspiredshow.com and you will see a subscribe button. So you just have to put your first name and your email address, and then you will be up to date with all the new stuff that's coming out for the Mom Inspired Show. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you next week.